A very good evening. On behalf of Teach 613, we welcome you to take 10 for Talmud. Kesubas Daf Yudzayin Kesubas 17, one of the favorite in Kesubas, dealing with how to praise the Kala. So we start on the facing page at the very bottom, one line up, Tanura Banan, we learnt, Ketzad Meraktim Lifnei HaKalo. How do you dance in front of the Kala? In other words, it was understood that you would be dancing in a chasna. But what was your message? What was your refrain? What would you say in front of her? Beishamay Omrim, Beishamay say, Kala Kemoshehi. The Kala, the way she is. Now, that obviously does not mean that if she's got problems, that you accentuate them. Rashi tells us what it means, Kemoshehi, the way she is. You have to be accurate. Find things that she's praiseworthy for, and those are the things that you should mention. And Beishelel argue and say, Kala noe vachasuda. Talk about the Kala, that she's pretty, that she's good, that she's attractive, and it makes no difference what the reality according to you is. As we'll see in a moment, that's the way the Chassan sees it. And you're allowed to praise something according to their perceptions, even if you think you know better. Let's see how this disagreement is discussed in the Gemara. If the woman is lame or blind, you're going to say, oh, she's, she's really good. The Torah says you should stay away from falsehood. Beishelel responded and said, you definitely could say that she's attractive. The Devrechem, according to you, if a person bought something bad from the marketplace and it's no longer returnable, there's no constructive reason to tell them that it's bad. Are you going to praise it? Or are you going to degrade it? Are you going to say, oh, you did such a bad deal? Or are you going to f- say it's good? In the eyes of the person who bought it, there's something positive about it. Certainly you're going to praise it. This is based on the principle that a person should interact pleasantly with people. And even though from your perspective, she's not pretty, she's not attractive, it's a problem, Shidduch, in your perspective. But once it's a done deal, we look at it from his perspective, and he obviously found positive qualities. He obviously finds her to be attractive. Um, sometimes a person marries according to what he's used to. I give the example of a certain boy in yeshiva who kept going on dates and just feeling that the girls weren't pretty until the chavrusa 
decided to read him a shidduch of a girl that had the same facial, the contour, the look was similar to his sister. And suddenly he went on the date and he said, this girl is pretty. And no one thought she was prettier than anybody else in order to suggest her. But that was very perceptive because he thinks that a girl is supposed to look the way his sister looks. That's what he's familiar with. And if she holds her hair in that same manner, then that's what he needed. And therefore, Beis Hillel say, you're allowed to be you're allowed to say that it's positive because to him it is positive. That's how he sees it. And you're allowed to do that after the fact. He's not asking your advice. We have this expression in English as well. Beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. The Gemara continues and tells us, This was the song that they would sing in the West, in Eretz Yisrael. She doesn't need makeup. She's still pretty. Now, lest you take that at face value, that that's the type of praise that they were giving, Take a look at the next statement. Kisamchu Rabbanan Rabzeira, when they gave Rabzeira smicha, Sharu Leahi, they sang as follows Lokachal Velo Srak Velo Pirchas Vialaschein, that even without makeup, it's still pleasant. And the Marsha therefore says that this is not talking about makeup. This is one of those enigmas in the Talmud where there's symbolism hiding a profound thought. And he says it's talking about tzivuim, people who are not authentic. They're all dyed over. They're all covered over. They only know how to make a, mas- a facade. And the message over here was that she's a pleasant person an authentic person. She doesn't need makeup, but more than that, she doesn't have phony makeup, but what you see is what you get. And that same praise that was said about a kala was also said about a man because it meant that the person is authentic. Drop down to about 15 lies above the wide. In the beginning of a line, we have another perspective in rejoicing at a chasna. Ravacha markivla akasve omarakid. Ravacha would put the kala on his shoulders and he would dance. Amule Rabbonon, the rabbis asked him, Anan hachi, are we allowed to do that too? So, I don't know exactly how he did it. Maybe he had some sort of board protecting, not making contact. But the bottom line is, she's somehow on his shoulders. What was he doing? So he told them, If you could perceive the kala like a beam, like a piece of wood, like an inanimate object, 
then you can do it. And otherwise you shouldn't do it. In other words, don't do it. But what he was doing was uh, showing that she's the guest of honor and that everything is in her honor and celebrating in that manner. The Marsha wonders why Kikshura, like a beam, why is that his comparison? So, I mentioned one concept that maybe there was a there was a board or something in between. There was some contraption separating so that they weren't actually touching. So maybe what he meant was, you know, if all you perceive is the beam, but the Marsha says that he was actually referring to the Kala. A woman is Akeres Habayis, the foundation of the house. And he was referring to the Kala as the praise. Why is she the honorable one? She's the one who is the foundation beam of the entire house. And if you perceive her simply with that dignity and that she's a celebrity in the sense that all goodness of Torah and Chesed is emanating from her, uh, a beauty of dignity rather than, oh, she's pretty, so then Kikshura, if you could perceive her as a beam, Lechaye, then you could do this type of dance in which he displayed honor to the celebration. But otherwise, don't. And that's really the message of the Gemara. The first statement is that you're allowed to look at the Kala during the seven days of celebration by the Chasna, in order to endear her to her husband. If he sees that his colleagues and friends are looking in her direction, wow, they're ooing and eyeing, so then it causes endearment and it's a Shalom bias thing. And that's the first perspective. But the Gemara says, We do not paskin like that. We do not do that. And there may be things listed in the Gemara that were for unusual, very righteous people. People focused totally on the right things. Um, sometimes you could have, in, in regular living, you could have the grandfather is able to say to the granddaughter, you know, you're pretty. Whereas if someone else would say the same words, it has a very different connotation. And it could be that's like a little bit of a mushal, an analogy of the distinction between the same words and the same behaviors. If they're emanating from Talmudic scholars of note, the Gemara is recording that for them, perhaps, it was acceptable. But that doesn't mean that we're going to learn a lesson from them. They're not modeling the behavior that we're meant to emulate. The one thing that does emerge from the Gemara is Beis Hillel's ruling, Kala Noeva that you could tell the Hassan that he did well, even if you have other opinions, but he chose this. For him it's good. It's the right Shidduch for him. And you wish them Mazel Tov. Thank you for joining. Have a great day.